in Matthew chapter five if you wanna grab a Bible and turn there. Um, we've been trying to um, understand the way of Jesus. Um, we've been trying to get a vision for the righteousness of God, and in particular, we've been sitting on the side of a hill with Jesus as he gives us the Sermon on the Mount, as he is inviting his followers to him to, to kind of know and understand what it would look like, what it would feel like, what it would taste like, smell like, and, uh, and if they followed his way. And so we've been really trying to learn, and uh, we were doing great until we got to Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. And if you've been with us for the last four weeks, you understand why I say that, because we were just supposed to do one week, Matthew 5, 17 through 20, but... Um, this is our fourth week <laughs> with it because it's such deep waters and I think it's so important for understanding and unlocking the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. But basically he talks about the law here. And, uh, and in some ways, you know, Jesus is so much more than a rabbi. He's so much more than a teacher. But in another way, he really is helping his disciples understand ethics. And ethics is basically that, that when you have a decision to make, which way are you supposed to go? Which, what are you supposed to do? And I had two young guys call me this week for advice which I was kind of at first like, yeah, man, I got young guys calling me for advice. Maybe they think I know some things. And then I was realizing it's probably just, I'm older and I know them. And they're like, he's the only old guy I know. So maybe I should call him. But uh, the first one was calling me because he had an ethical dilemma. And his dilemma was, um, he's a musician and musicians had a really rough year last year. And so he was wanting to gather some of the other musicians he's known and done tours with all together for kind of like a retreat or a conference where they just get together and they pray and they encourage each other and they listen to the Lord and they worship and, and they kind of set their you know, sights on what's forward out of this retreat. And he was really inspired by the Lord to do this. And so he of his own volition was looking for places to do it. And he found this one place that he could afford and it seemed so good. And he went and visited and he just felt like the Lord was saying, this is it, this is so good. But then when he found out um, what, what the, the denomination of the place was and some of their stances um, on cultural issues today as well as some of their, their practices, um, they, he was kind of having some questions. It didn't, it didn't quite line up with exactly the way he believed and he thought. And it's not anything like horrific or anything, but it's just some little issues. And so he called me to say, I don't know what to do. I, I, I feel like the Spirit's saying go, but then when I think about, you know, kind of some of the rules and the regulations that I know are in the scriptures and, and, and some of what these guys say, I, I, we kind of vary. We differ a little bit on some things. And I was like, I'm so glad you called me this week because basically what I'm teaching this Sunday is to the pure, all things are pure. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I said, I really am excited you called because I know you know the word of God and you want to apply the word of God and you submit to the word of God and you're inviting community into your life to help you process all of this. But I can tell you without a shadow of doubt, if the spirit says go, go. And he was like, what? Because he thought for sure I was going to tell him, yes, you should be more careful. Yes, this isn't going to line up perfectly, so you shouldn't do it. And he was so surprised that I was able to tell him, no, man. We, we understand that the law is good, but there's a higher law that we live by, the law of the Spirit. And we've got to graduate into that if we're really going to see this world changed. And so another guy called me the next day, and he was saying, I just got invited. I've been you know, hanging out with this guy, and, uh, and I've been trying to find a way to kind of like, you know, continue to get to know him and share Christ with him. And, and he just invited me over to his, his house for Ramadan dinner. 
And, uh, and he was like, I really thought that was great and I feel like this is what I've been praying for is like an opportunity to go and like be, meet his family and, and, I, and yet I'm like, what do I do? And I was like, I'm so glad you called me, young man. <laughs> and I was like, to the pure, all things are pure. With the Spirit of the Lord, there's freedom. I said, yes, I understand. You are right that there are things that we need to navigate. There are things we need to understand. Absolutely. And if the Spirit is saying, hey, don't do it, you shouldn't do it. But if you have the law and you've processed the law and you're saying, okay, I understand that, that's good. I'm affirming that. And I'm inviting community around me to help me process this so I'm not just doing my own thing. And through all that process, the Spirit is saying, go. Go, man. Go. You have the Spirit of God. We're called to be salt and light. And salt and light needs to get out of the walls of the church and get into society. That's where it's most effective and most powerful. And he was like, and he's, he's way more prone to legalism like I am. Like he loves good legalism. Like give me some rules, man. Yeah, I love them. Ah, oh, yeah, I feel so good in here with all these rules. It's nice. Yeah, check them off. Oh, look at them. Check it off. And so it was really hard for him to process what I was saying. And because some of you might know the danger of what I'm saying as well. If people want to abuse the freedom that Christ has given us. And there are people these days, you know, those are kind of some light and fluffy ethical issues where there isn't major ramifications, but then we have others. Racism, sexuality, these are ethical issues that, that we're navigating right now. And it's funny because I've been, I've, I've been kind of processing a little bit, I don't know if you know Ibram X. Kendi and some of the anti-racism, um, really, um, ideology that he's putting out there that that is, is actually making its way, not into headlines, but actually making its way into schools around the country and, and also Arizona. Um, and so it's something that I've just been like, okay, I really need to understand what's going on here. And, and, it, and it's so interesting because at first, what Ibrahim X. Kendi says, basically, it's not enough to, to be um, not a racist. You have to be anti-racist. There's only two camps. You're either a racist or an anti-racist. And I honestly, and please track with me here, send me emails if you need clarification. I'm not trying to make some massive point here. I'm trying to help use this as an illustration of why we need the Word of God and we need the Spirit of God. Um, but, but his idea is, is, sounds kind of similar to what Jesus would say honestly to me. That you have heard it said that you shouldn't be a racist, but, but I say to you, you need to be anti-racist. You actually need to be proactive in helping make sure racism doesn't happen. And I think that is kind of actually what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said, don't commit murder, but I say you shouldn't be angry with your brother. Jesus kind of takes it to this next place. So you have that, but the sad and scary thing is the very next step for Ibram X. Kendi and, and the, the, really the ideology that's being accepted worldwide goes to this place. The only remedy to racist discrimination is anti-racist discrimination. The only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. And the only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination. Which is absolute crap. And horrible evil. And it's the exact opposite of what the entire civil rights movement was trying to put forward. And it's so against the way of Jesus. But you see the subtleties and the ethical issues that we're dealing with today. And the importance that we know the way of Jesus, that we understand the law of God, but also we are led by the Spirit. 
And again, there's way more conversation to be had on this. I'm happy to have those conversations. Had one last week. I, I actually love it. I love processing this stuff because we got a lot to learn these days. But we also have to be able to figure out how to navigate these extremely challenging and difficult ethical issues that we go through, whether they're in the grand scheme of society and culture or whether they're inside our own hearts and our own souls or maybe in our own marriages and families. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to understand the way of Jesus. And what he does in Matthew chapter 5, 17 is he says this. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. He's affirming the law of God and how good it is. The rules. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So here he's saying, I have not come to abolish all the rules and the regulations, the law, all of those things. The covenant that God made with Moses. The 613 mitzvot that have been passed down through Judaism. The Judeo-Christian ethic, as we would understand it. Not come to get rid of those things. Those things are good and helpful and right. Scriptures are good and helpful and right. I haven't come to abolish them. I come to fulfill them. And what he means by fulfill them, the word there is like, I've come to complete. I've come to fulfill it so that the next thing can come. And that's where we have Old Covenant, New Covenant. We have Old Testament, New Testament. Jesus fulfilled something in order to usher in something new, a new covenant, a new relationship that we have with God. And that's what we've been trying to do over the last four weeks. And I admit, I haven't done that great, but honestly, I'm learning this just along with you. But I feel like each week we've gotten a little more piece of the puzzle, a little more clarity. I almost look like we're trying to turn a corner. We've, we've really been kind of diving into the scriptures and how important they are for us, especially in light of all the craziness around. But we've got to turn this corner to not just be relying on the laws of God, but relying on the Spirit of God, not just living according to the law, but living according to the Spirit. And so that's what we're trying to get into. So to reaffirm what we've said, there's three things we talked about. The law is good for training us in righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's how I got that super clever point out of that. <laughs> the second thing we said, the law is good for showing us we are unrighteous. Now that doesn't sound like a good thing, but it is important. You need to know when, you, when, you, when you're getting it wrong so that you don't keep getting it wrong. And this comes from Galatians chapter three. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. That is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one relies on the law. No one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous live by something else, faith. So basically the law is good in helping us know that we are unrighteous. And, and this is where it's a little interesting because if I was to murder someone and, and then like say, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna do so many lawful things. I'm gonna drive the speed limit. I'm gonna pay my traffic picture fine thing. <laughs> I'm gonna like, you know, um, 
pay my taxes, whatever. I'm trying to think of more laws. <laughs> I'm in a little trouble right now. But, but it's like the more laws we fulfill, does, it doesn't take away the, the guilt from, from the law that we did. I can't go into a courtroom and say, yes, I murdered him in cold blood. However, I drove the speed limit my whole life. So that should at least take away what I did here. It's not the way it works. We need the law. We need the guidelines. We need the structure to help us know when we're in and we're out. And that's a thing that God gave us. And it's a good thing. It doesn't feel good. It feels horrible when we find ourselves outside. But at least it wakes us up to the reality of where we're at. So the law is good in that way. Another way that we talked about last week was the law is good at being a strict tutor holding us until maturity comes. Galatians 3 in the message says this, until the time when we were mature enough to respond freely in faith to the living God, we were carefully surrounded and protected by the Mosaic law. The law was like those Greek tutors, which you are familiar with, not us, the people he was writing to, <laughs> um, who escort children to school and protect them from the danger and distraction, making sure the children really get to the place they were set out for. But now you have arrived at your destination. By faith in Christ, you are in direct relationship with God, living by the Spirit. Your baptism in Christ was not just washing you up for a fresh start. It also involved dressing you in adult faith wardrobe, Christ's life, the fulfillment of God's original promise. So basically what he's saying is that, that, the, that the law was this tutor that was, that was kind of trying to keep us together. And we said law was like a mom on Mother's Day, you know, got to use moms there. So it's like a mom that's holding you together, has all these rules and laws to keep you from sitting on the couch you're not supposed to sit on. Again, last week. Until the day that you have enough maturity, common sense, and self-control that the mom can say, all right, go. And you're, you're, you're good. I trust you. You got this. And that's what the law was doing. And, and, and yet, for some reason, sometimes Christians, they just want to stay there. It'd be like this. You guys have seen, you know, those big eagle nests, right? A bald eagle nest, you know, in northern Arizona or something or somewhere else. And you got way at the tops of those trees, these giant eagle nests with all these, these branches kind of woven together somehow by these eagles. And, and they have, they, they actually, they have, you know, sticks that are pointing in at the top to make sure that, you know, the eagles don't fall out. Like, so, so it's like the eagle nest. The law is like this eagle's nest. And it's there to keep us. From, from falling out. It's there, there to keep us from, from going in the wrong way or from danger, all of these things. But when, but when the eagle grows up and it's not a little baby anymore and it's got these wings, it's got these talons, it's this big old, it would be so weird and lame and dumb if the eagle was just like, this is it, man. I'm just staying right here. Yes, check me out. I'm going to be the best eagle nest person there ever has been. <laughs> it's honestly what it looks like when Christians try and get really good at church. When all they want to do is be good at church, it's annoying and weird sometimes. Some of the stuff they come up with, you're just like, what are you doing, man? It's like a different language or whatever. But they're, they're really good at church. They're really good at the eagle's nest. I'm so good. This is what the Pharisees were. They were these puffed up little eagles saying, check me out. I know all the laws so well. I can, I can go in circles around this eagle's nest all day long. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. And Jesus comes and he's like, man, when are you going to fly? 
When are you going to understand that this was an old covenant that was just here until the day the new covenant could come, where the Spirit now is the wind beneath your wings? This is what we're trying to do. This is what you and I have to get to. The eagle's nest is not bad. It's actually wonderful, especially for new believers, especially if you're not sure what to do, especially when times of shaking happen. I think it's okay. Fly back to that eagle's nest. Sit in there for a little bit. That's what we've done. The winds have gotten crazy around our society. And so we as a church, we've said, hey, let's get back to these scriptures. Let's really make sure we're good on what God wants and requires. Let's really understand how God has worked in times past. Let's really understand this. But, but that, that's only the start. And my prayer has shifted. I don't want our church to be only good at the law. I want us to know God's ways. I want us to know God's word, definitely. But I want our church to be filled with the Spirit way more and walking in the Spirit and learning to live by the Spirit. What the world needs is eagles that fly, not eagles stuck in a nest. And so we gotta make this shift to living by the Spirit. And so that's what we're gonna try and teach today. So first of all, we gotta understand the connection. So the law was good for training us in righteousness, but it was powerless to help us become righteous. But living by the Spirit, when the Spirit comes, He not only leads us in righteousness, but He empowers us to be righteous. It's this big shift that happens. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 says it this way. Now, if the ministry that brought death was engraved in letters on stone came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of his glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious What's, more, what's better, eagle in a nest or eagle flying around? Yeah, flying. <laughs> if the ministry that brought condemnation showed us our unrighteousness was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings us to a place of righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? This is Paul understanding there's, there's something new has come, and he's trying to help his readers understand there's something new that's come. Living by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit is the graduation from the law. It's what's going to bring life. It's what's going to bring righteousness. It's what's going to bring salt and light in the world, which is what we're trying to do. Secondly, the law was good for showing us we are unrighteousness, but watch what happens here in, in Romans chapter 8. The Spirit actually accomplishes righteousness in us. So Romans chapter 8, 1 through 4, which by the way, Romans 8 is like the most single important understanding of this. Like Romans chapter 8 is just, you should memorize it. I should memorize it. I don't have it memorized. I should memorize it and then tell you to memorize it. That'd be better. It's so good. You know how they tell you, like, if you could have one book in, on a desert island and that's all you could have? I mean, if you can get the Bible, great. If they're like, no, that's too big, then get Romans. If you can't get Romans, then get Romans 8, okay? It's basically what I'm trying to say. Therefore, verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What about when I acted out in my homosexuality before I came to Jesus. Can I be free from condemnation? Yes, in Christ Jesus, you can. No doubt about it. What about when I really, really hurt those people in that way? 
What about when I really let my wife down? What about when I left my kids? Whatever it might be. Whatever it might be. Once you're in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. What that means is God does not have any anger towards you. God is not disappointed in you. God has completely forgotten all about it. Your sins and iniquity he remembers no more. There's no condemnation. You are justified. In Christ Jesus, it's just as if you'd never sinned at all. What about my sexuality and what was done to me or what I did to somebody? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he goes on. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by our flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. And this is where something begins to change when the Spirit comes. All of a sudden, he starts to write his will on the table of your hearts. In another way to say it, he starts putting desires in your heart that are beautiful. He starts putting desires in your heart that are true righteousness. Not the lesser or the counterfeit righteousness, but the greater righteousness. The kind of righteousness that doesn't just make you righteous, but it actually rights the wrongs in the world, which we're going to be talking about in the next six weeks. It's a fascinating thing that God comes and begins to do that work in us so that now when we walk in this world, we're walking in a different way. It's a different flavor coming out. It's salty and it's lighty. It's righteousness. And then the last thing, the law was good at being a temporary tutor for us, but the Spirit brings something brand new. The Spirit brings freedom forever. Now, 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then even more risky than that, Titus 1.15 teaches to the pure, all things are pure. Now this, I don't want my daughters to read. I do, they are not allowed to read this verse until they're like 80. Because as soon as they get a hold of this verse, they're not in here, are they? Yeah, made sure they weren't in here this morning. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't make sure. As soon as they get a hold of this verse, they could throw this at me no matter what I say. To the pure, all things are pure, Dad. With the Spirit of the Lord, there's freedom. What are you talking about? We're not going back into that legalism. I'll be like, <laughs> but this, this, this is not safe. But this is the truth. If you ask me, this God made a mistake here by giving people this kind of freedom. But it's what God wants to do to the point where Paul had to write this verse in the Bible. Because of this freedom, because to the pure all things are pure, because we can do whatever we want and we're forgiven, we're cleansed, there's no condemnation no matter what, why don't we just go sin then? We get the pleasures of this world and the forgiveness of God. 
Like he literally was like, I know what I'm saying is leading you to this place. It's antinomianism. It's this idea where people say, okay, if God's going to do all of that, why don't I just get both? And Paul's like, you can. You can. If that's what you want to do with the gift that God has given you, you can. So should we sin that grace may abound? But his next line is, God forbid. Why would you do that? Why would you do that with the love of God? Why would you do that with the gift of God? It's the same thing that Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery. As she says, hey, there's no more accusers. There's no one here to condemn me. And Jesus, who could have said, well, (laughs) except me, (laughs) right? Like, I'm the one without sin, and yeah, what you did was wrong, so let's talk about that. And like, man, He said, go your way and sin no more. Like, there is no condemnation for you, not even from me, who has the right to condemn you. But go your way and be free. Use your freedom to do righteousness. Use your freedom to help others. Use your freedom to honor God. Use your freedom in those ways. And Paul has to caution, you know, there's so much freedom that we have. He's like, don't use your freedom to kind of cause your brothers to stumble or your sisters to stumble who might be struggling with the very thing that you're saying, hey, look, I'm free, I can do this, but if it causes them to stumble, yeah, you're not using your freedom properly. And so Paul has to do some teachings on how to properly use your freedom because you're that free in Christ Jesus. Another verse, all things are lawful but not everything is profitable. He, it's all, he's, he's trying to teach people on the other side of their freedom to the pure, all things pure. Hey, now just don't abuse it though because it's that ridiculous what God has given you. It's that good of news that Jesus ushered in in this new covenant that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is absolute freedom. And to the pure, all things are pure. Now you know why I don't want my daughters to know about that. Because I'm the eagle's nest. I'm like, <laughs> come on, get in my nest. Get in the nest here, eagle, little eagles. And then my oldest daughter is like, what are those people doing over there? I'm like, they're not doing anything. Why do I got these wings? You don't have wings. But that's a bad dad. That's a liar. And Jesus is too good to do that to us. He wants us to be free. So free. He wants us to fly. And so we've got to learn to walk into living by the Spirit. And there are cautions for sure. And there's the importance of the, the law of God. That's why when those guys ask me about their ethical dilemmas, I, I, know, I know they know God's word and I know they submit to it. That's why they're asking me. I know they understand that they need other, other people to help them process things. That's why they were asking me. Because of all those things, I was able to say, dude, go free. Go free and be bold. The gates of hell cannot stand against you. And so we've got to learn to live into this. So I just want to give you a couple examples about what this looks like. First of all, the way that the Spirit works in our life, it's kind of like an electric bike. I wrote an email about this this week. I wrote a, write a weekly email every week. If you want to get it, then just email me and I'll get you on the list. And then you get a weekly email from me right in your inbox all the time. You can just delete it. I don't care. 
But I try and write them. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're less good. But, um, but I was writing about it this time because I felt like this just really helped me understand this. My wife and I went to Coronado Island on spring break, and it was just the two of us, and, and we, we wanted to go um, kind of bike around the island. And so we went to this place where you could rent electric bikes, and they gave us this map. Um, and it was kind of like all these cool places you could see on the island. And, uh, and so it was like, oh, that'd be great. But it was pretty far. And we were like, I don't know. And then we, we really kind of only budgeted for like an hour <laughs> um, of money. So then it was like, okay, I don't know how we're going to do this. Maybe we should just not do as much. So we kind of, but then when we got on those electric bikes, we'd never done it. We didn't realize how awesome those things were. And basically like one pedal is worth like 100 pedals because you're hooked up to the power. And uh, I didn't figure out that there's different levels. My wife was like on high and I was on economy. And so like I was just like working to try and keep up with her. I was like, what is up with this lady? You know, um, but then I switched it to economy and I was like, what's that? Not bad. Um, but, but it was just like, you, so it's not that bike's doing all the work for you. It's that there's really a union. There's like your effort and energy, which is so pitiful and weak and couldn't get the job done, connected with the full power of that battery, all of a sudden, we cruised that entire island, we got back with time to spare, and then we went over to another place, and we got lost, and it was weird. <laughs> but it was just like a whole different, like, our, our, we could have had so little if we just had us. But connected to that, it was like we got this much fuller experience. That, that's what happened. The Spirit comes into our lives. The new covenant is the Spirit of God dwells inside of us. And our five loaves and two fish can now feed 5,000. We can be the little boy that just has a little bit to offer and say, well, Jesus, I'm putting it in your hands. He's like, well, stick with me, kid, and watch. Boom! And honestly, that happens every single Sunday morning as I get up here. And all I have is just something real little. And last week, I had maybe one loaf of stale bread. And what was so funny is a bunch of people told me that the Lord really spoke to them last week. And I was like, ha-ha, ha electric bike. <laughs> <laughs> or think about the disciples. These guys don't know what's going on. They've been with Jesus, and now they're walking by a guy at the temple who can't walk that they've seen their whole lives, maybe. And there's just this little bit of stirring in their soul, a little bit of compassion, a little bit of consideration that was different maybe than other days. And the guy's saying, can you give me some money? He's like, silver and gold have I none, but I'm going to give you what I do have. And it's small and it's puny, but it's connected to the living God. And next thing you know, that guy's dancing around in the church causing a whole ruckus. And it looks like my mom, like I said last week, who's on her deathbed, cancer's racking her brain. She knows the end is coming. She knows she's losing everything. She knows she's leaving us, and that breaks her heart. With all the full weight of all of that, she had perfect peace. She had that peace that passes understanding. It made no sense as I was talking with her because the Spirit of God was there. And her little bit of faith, her little bit of courage, her little bit of strength, coupled with the Spirit of God, was enough to give her perfect peace in such a challenging situation. And for me as a young man, I remember I was reading 1 Samuel 14 about Jonathan and his armor bearer and how they went and fought against the Philistines. And what happened was Jonathan was saying to his armor bearer, his buddy, he's like, hey, all of the Israelites are hiding in caves because they're so scared of the Philistines. But he's like, there's something in me that just is like, this is not right. We are, we are the children of God. We, like, 
this is not right. And so he says to him, let's go over to the Philistine camp where they're all, they're all camped out on that cliff. And let's go show ourselves to them. Which was like the whole of their plan, which is not a lot. But then his next line is, and we'll see what the Lord might do. And so they did. And the Lord basically not only helped them to conquer that, but all the noise of that battle caused all of the Israelite army to come out of the caves and to drive off the Philistines. And I just thought, man, let's see what the Lord can do. And so I was graduating college, and this was just kind of stirring me. The spirit was just like, boom, boom. You know, this, like, let's see what the Lord, I got to see what the Lord can do. What can I do? I got to see what the Lord can do. And uh, I ended up coming up with this idea of going to Ireland. And, and so I was going to, I talked three friends into going with me, and we, were, we bought a ticket, and we were going to Ireland, and we were coming back three months later. The whole plan. Except for we wanted to see what the Lord might do. And I have so many stories to tell, but within three days, we had a place to live, we had jobs, and, and, and we had our names sent out to basically all of the like high schools and you know, kind of like young life ministries, you know, high school ministries of Northern Ireland. And literally every two days, we would get on a bus and I'd say, can you take us to this Bali whatever? You know, Bali Huli, Bali whatever. And, and they would take those plays and we would you know, share with the high schoolers that were there after school or in school. Sometimes we'd be, the, we'd be like doing the assembly. So there'd be like 2,000 high schoolers. And then me and my friends were like, hey, we don't know what we're doing here. And we'd share the word with them. Tell them about Jesus. And it was just this fact. And I, I mean, I just remember at the end of that time going, wow, man, the Lord can do a lot with a little. We really got to see what the Lord could do. And what was fascinating is then that, that gave me the courage when my wife, I married a crazy lady, and Brittany Stockton, who was in Belize all last week, and anytime she comes back from Belize, I'm like, yes, she didn't stay, <laughs> you know, like she came back to me. All right, it's awesome, um, because of the way her heart is and all of that. And, uh, and yet she had talked us in, she felt like the Lord was saying we should go to Belize for a year, and this was a while ago. And, uh, you know, I, I was like, why? And she's like, let's just see what the Lord could do. And I was like, oh, don't say that. You're like, oh, you big time stuff. And so we did. We had a one-year-old daughter, and we went and moved to this tiny little village that didn't have running water. We just wanted to see what the Lord could do. And part of our idea was we'd get to see someone from Belize who was raised up to oversee the churches, because as it was, the only time there was church was when a missionary came into town. And sure enough, long story short, Aaron Bynum knows a little something about this. Laura knows a little something about this. Um, the guy who preached four weeks ago, his name's Kenny Welch, and he's been leading two churches there for a long time now. We got to see what the Lord could do. Not because we had anything great, because the Spirit was moving. We were living by the Spirit. Now, don't think I'm saying living by the Spirit means you got to go to another country. Not at all. That's not what I'm saying. But you got to go do what the Lord's asking you to do. One other time that was helpful in us trying to figure out how to live by the Spirit, we were going back to Dangriga, which is the next town down, next village down in Belize, and uh, I was going to be there for two days, and we needed to find a place to live and kind of what ministry connection we were going to do, because we didn't know anyone in the town. And my wife and I got on our knees, and we got a pen and paper out, and we were like, okay, Lord, we're just going to sit here, and we're going to write down anything that your Spirit brings to mind. And so we each wrote down a few things, and um, a couple of them in particular, my wife had this picture of, of this house and there was like a veranda upstairs and there was a young boy kind of staring out like he was looking at the sea. 
And, um, and then I wrote the name down Raul, <laughs> which is funny because we're going to Central America. But, um, but I was like Raul or something like that. It was like, it wasn't Raul, it was something like that. And uh, lo and behold, I get to Dan Griga, I'm there, and uh, we go through the, all the time, and there's only like, you know, a couple minutes left. Like, we have like another half hour before we have to go back, and, and uh, we hadn't really found the place to live. And I saw a truck with a ladder in the back. This is how desperate it had gotten. I was like, let's go talk to that guy. <laughs> and I was like, do you know of any places that are available for rent? Because you can't really just Google that in Dan Griga. And... Uh, and he was like, he gave us the name of this lady, so we went and talked to this lady, and we went over there, and there was this house, and I didn't even think of it, but I took a picture of the house, and I sent it to Brittany, and she was like, that is the house that I saw. And, and one of the nephews of one of the guys was with us, and he was standing upstairs on the, on the veranda, and he was looking out over the sea. She was like, that's it! And I was like, awesome, but this is me. <laughs> that was more expensive than the other house that we were kind of thinking about. And I was like, nah. I don't know, but then one of the guys we were with had a dream that night that something horrible happened to my family in the other house. And I was like, all right, where are we signing up? Where are we signing? You know? But it's like, this is how the Spirit has to work with me. I need like extra credit type stuff to get me there. But, but then the name Raul was so interesting because we were trying to figure out this ministry connection and we were driving in and we saw these people broke down and, and we stopped to help them. They didn't need help. But the, I remember this guy was wearing this shirt that said, Kids Connect for Jesus. I was like, this is a weird shirt. And then we drive into town, we met with this pastor guy, and he was like, man, I think you guys should probably work with Kids Connect for Jesus. They, they seem like a ministry you could connect with. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I had an ear infection, and we were going to stop, and I was like, can we just stop at a doctor's office real quick, because I'd love to get some drops or something. So we go to the place that those guys knew, and it was too crowded. The guys were like, hey, we, we got too many people, so we're not going to be able to see you today. But if you go down the street, there's another guy. So we go down the street, little podunk house thing, but there's a, there's a guy in there, he's a doctor, and he's actually from India, and his name is Dr. Raul. And I was like, when I saw Raul, I was like, Raul? What? No way. And as we walked into the office, literally, we almost crashed into this lady who was coming out as we were walking in, and she had a big shirt that said, Kids Connect for Jesus. And we ended up connecting with Kids Connect for Jesus and doing ministry with them. And it was like, wow, this, this is living by the Spirit. Now, now, again, that sounds all magical and mystical, but it's very natural. It was very simple. It was stuff that we were dealing with, and God was leading us and guiding us. And it didn't mean that we didn't have the structure and all of the goodness of the law and the scriptures and all those things. Like I said, the whole see what the Lord might do, that came out of the scriptures. The Spirit loves to use the scriptures to guide us. But at the end of the day, we can't negate or forget about the Spirit and just live out of the scriptures. Because in that, there's death. But when the Spirit comes, there's life. I have so many more stories to tell, and I know many of you have stories of how the Lord has led you and guided you. And it's my job as, as a pastor, a teacher, whatever I am in this place, to help us kind of understand and see what Jesus is really trying to do. And again, it would be so much easier for us to just buckle down into some legal, legalism, especially me. I love it. But it would be so much less than what God really wants to do. And ultimately, it wouldn't create the salt and the light that this world desperately needs. You are free in Christ. In, in ways that you would never actually believe if you could. Or continue trying to live into this freedom that he has given us. And keep trying to learn how to do it. Um, a couple guys that are smart. C.S. Lewis, he writes it this way. He says, um, 
Our faith is not a matter of our hearing what Christ said long ago and trying to carry it out. Rather, the real Son of God is at your side. He's beginning to turn you into the same kind of thing as himself. He's beginning, so to speak, to inject his kind of life and thought, his zoe, Greek for life, into you, beginning to turn the tin soldier into a live man. The part of you that doesn't like it is still tin. And then Dallas Willard says it this way. Now, what we can do in our unassisted strength is very small. What we can do acting with mechanical, electrical, or atomic power is much greater. Often what can be accomplished is so great that it's hard to believe or imagine without some experience of it. But what we can do with these means is still very small compared to what we can do acting in union with God himself who created and ultimately controls all other forces. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for each person in this room that is, that is facing an ethical dilemma. Whether it be within their own soul or household or, or in our society, whether it be a friend of theirs who's just confessed some really heavy things, whether it be a daughter or a son who's decided they are homosexual or identifying in some other way outside of what you prescribe, whether it's some sort of anger issue where someone has wronged them or offended them and they just want their version of justice, or whether it's just a decision about what to do and where to go, I thank you that your spirit has come and I pray your spirit would lead them and guide them and empower them to walk in your ways. And they would be able to see what the Lord can do. And they would trust you and they would surrender to you. They would have courage to step out in whatever you do say and speak to them. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.